Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today in the podcast, we are talking with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Going to answer your questions. we got a lot of talk about USC summer workouts, a lot to get to. USC football news, some observations that we've had from watching the team work out, getting ready for fall camp. Of course, we love to hear from you. So if you want to send us a question, email address is podcast at uscfootball.com. Pretty simple, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 206-888-6755. Or if you want to do one on your computer, go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page, and you can leave us a voicemail right there. All right, so without further ado, I wanted to talk to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Dan, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Oh, uh, Pretty good. Not not bad. Um, I guess uh, uh, we get to see him at night, and we don't get to see the morning workouts, which I guess... Uh, probably ought to be closed at all times to all people as the uh, situation across town makes clear. Uh, you probably shouldn't let any parents in either. Uh, <laughs> the thought here. That's very, <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, we, well, we'll talk about that. We got to talk about the P Diddy stuff a little bit before we jump into everything. Uh, I wanted to just thank our sponsor for the Tuesday podcast, uh, Michael Moline real estate. So he's a true Trojan and he can uh, help you out in Southern California. If you are, uh, interested in real estate buying or selling he's over here in beverly hills uh but does you know kind of does the south bay does all the the areas around here in the in the southland so he's uh he's in the, he's one of those guys in the the press box with us dan doing the stats so we're gonna i i think we talked about this before i want to have the stat guys in there because it's very interesting to kind of see what they do but you go to michaelmalinerealestate.com and check it out we'll have a, an ad at the end of the the podcast as well but uh we, I, I do want to talk some stats because the, the the job that those guys do is pretty interesting Oh yeah, no. I having having uh, been a sports information director, I know uh, how dependent are you are on those guys, and uh, how the numbers all have to add, you know add up, and uh, and there are so many uh, you know so many stats today, and all the things you you know that, and I guess the one good thing is the ability to do it with touch screens and all that that you couldn't you used to not be able to do. Uh, so uh, so that does help, but. Uh, but they're really, really important, and, and this is a data-driven world. It certainly is, and they have uh, these little TVs. They've upgraded the press box a little bit, Dad, so we used to have the little box TVs. I think for the most part we have more flat screens and stuff now, so they're trying to, to help it out. But, you, I mean, those guys were in there watching those same kind of TVs trying to see, um, you know, if a, on a replay, if a guy fumbles and someone recovers it and he fumbles, like they have to keep track of all that kind of stuff. And it's all, all every yard that's involved. It's pretty interesting. So we'll, we'll definitely have a future podcast uh, talking about that. Yeah. I, I, you know, and, and, and the, the thing now it's like on, uh, you're watching golf and they make some ruling on in a golf tournament and all of a sudden 90 guys are sitting at home watching and saying, no, they got that wrong, or they moved the ball, you know, three inches this way or what. And you can do that in football, too, now. And uh, so uh, not only are you probably having to do more and do it quicker, 
you got to get it right, or people will be, you know, coming after you and saying, no, no, you you credited the fumble the, the wrong way, or the yards, or the advance. There's a whole lot going on that uh, that I think all of us, even you know, the guys who are in the press box, uh, the media people, kind of take for granted. So uh, you know, we're we're very appreciative of the work those guys do. So before we jump into the summer workout talk, I just to, we won't do a lot on this, but it's a topic on the Peristyle right now. Um, big deal. You know, TMZ broke the story. Uh, our colleagues over at Bro on, on Scout Network have, have put up a couple of good stories. I got a lot of more information on it. So apparently there's video of P. Diddy, whose son, uh, is on the team, um, and had an altercation with one of the strength coaches and one of the interns and was arrested and released. And he's got a court date and it's pretty crazy. It's just one of those things, Dan, that, Really only can, ha- this wouldn't happen in, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska. This, <laughs> this happens in LA. There's good and bad to being what, you know, where TMZ is based. Uh, we remember the Mark Tyler stuff from a few years back when yeah, he absolutely. was on there, but man, I, it just seems like a crazy, crazy story and it's probably only going to get crazier. Well, and, and being the media capital of the world, the first, my first thought is, I don't care what happened. Wouldn't you try to keep this quiet if you're UCLA? I mean, don't you just really have to not pursue this? But apparently, uh, maybe that's the direction it was headed until the UCLA police saw the video, which they had to, you know, ask to see. And once they saw the video, there was no way that this could be kind of kept quiet from 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 everything you hear. And I do know somebody mentioned the fact that. Is this a a self-defense situation? And I know that the question was answered by another question, which is, when did anybody grab a kettlebell as a an instrument of self-defense? A kettlebell, if you grab one, you probably aren't defending yourself. <laughs> My guess is that's, that's not what you would grab for self-defense, just a thought uh, in that case. And if I'm, you know, UCLA, I mean, one of the problems, and this is a problem for everybody that has, you know, celebrity fans or celebrity boosters or celebrity whatever, is a lot of people don't like that because they don't have them. And the second thing is if that celebrity gets involved in doing anything for the program, um, you know, you really got to be careful. Uh, and then if that person gets really mad at you, <laughs> And he's been doing anything for the program. You really got to be careful. So this thing may play out in a lot of different ways as we move down the road. Uh, I, I can't even guess where this is going. It's and and for people to know, his son is his son really isn't a player. Like he's not. He was given a scholarship, but all the recruiting uh, experts that I I didn't really get to watch him much in high school. I didn't check him out, but. Um, he did play, I think, in the Semper Fi All-Star game, and I had a, a guy tell me uh, the other day that he was the worst player there by far. Um, so he's more of a, in that category of probably not really, you know, to be nice, not really a Division One guy, but he's a celebrity, and that's likely why he was given a scholarship. Where, like, Snoop Dogg's son, Cord- uh, you know, uh, Brodus is, uh, he's definitely a Division One level player. Is he a UCLA-level player? Not really sure, but he's over there, too. Um, but he can, everyone, you know, I've seen him play. I've seen him in workouts and stuff, and he's right. legitimate three or four star guy where Pete and his son, it wasn't the same thing. 
Right. And, and so, you know, you always worry about those situations because it's, where is this going to go in a couple of years? You know, does, do you, you know, if you're, you know, not maybe able to play at that level of USC, UCLA, and yet you're on the, on the roster, do you keep working as hard? I mean, I guess some of the, you know, walk on kids certainly do that and they're an unbelievable tribute, you know, to themselves and, and the program. But, you know, if the story you got is true that maybe he wasn't coming to all the, um, you know, practices or working as hard and, and causing the, you know, strength coach to, to really get on him, uh, you can probably see how that might happen. And, uh, I don't know what, you know, where you, where this goes from here, you know, I mean, it just, uh, if it wasn't a good idea at the time, uh, it's probably not going to be a good idea two years later. And especially if he's taken a scholarship, I mean, I think that was one of the things that people say, wow, your dad, the dad's worth $700 million. Does he really need a scholarship? Well, I guess there's kind of that, no, he's, he deserves one. He's good enough to be on the team. He's not a charity case and all that. These are some, you know, decisions that, coaches make and then maybe you have to you know in a year or two you got to pay for them when you make that kind of decision they i know and i a lot of the usc fans are kind of are being critical obviously of uh you know what's going on is ucla covering things up and once you see the video i think that's going to answer a lot of questions now losi has a, a past he's the guy that the strength coach that tripped the player when he was at the new york jets which is you know absolutely horrible but so there's people going to be questioning him but it, you know, just my gut feeling in this, Dan, is like, yeah, he, the guy's a hothead and, you know, sources have said that, but he's probably doing his job and you're allowed to yell at players and you're allowed to kick him out of workouts. And I don't, for what I'm gathering, he didn't do anything, you know, over the top. Um, so it's, I, you know, though he'll probably be, I would guess he's vindicated in this once we see the video, but it, you know, maybe a little bit of fault there, but certainly not to the level that, that P. Diddy allegedly took this. Yeah. I gotta believe UCLA would not have pursued this if they had any choice. This would not be something that we all, the whole world knew about yesterday if UCLA could have possibly avoided that. I mean, this has made every newspaper in the country. I mean, it's on most of the, you know, just straightforward news shows. That's not what you want, you know, for your program. I mean, you really, really don't want that. And, uh, so, my guess is they could not avoid it, that, that the video is such. I guess the only question is, how long does it take TMZ to get the video? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at that point, it will make the Mark Tyler parking lot interview video look like child's play, to say the least, I'm Co- guessing. Completely. All right, well, let's. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about UCLA, of course. <laughs> so let's talk some SC, and we were out at the, the summer workout on Monday. Uh, yesterday, because it's a Tuesday podcast. And man, did Ebard Marshall impress. If you guys saw instant analysis, we talked about that. Dan wrote about it. Uh, he wrote a, you know, his ghost notes, but also a, a story about the freshman him and, and Dominique Davis out there for the first time from Alamany. But, uh, we've seen Iman Marshall before and uh, what four or five practices, Dan, it seems like he's gotten better and more comfortable in each and every one and having three picks and a whole bunch of pass breakups. On Monday night, I thought it was absolutely crazy. He's really a competitor. You can just see it. I mean, he's really determined. 
and he wants to get in there. I mean, and just the idea that as good as those USC receivers are, and I mean, I don't think anybody doesn't think we, you know, USC's got some really athletic kids. Uh, uh, to see him going nose to nose, and I mean nose to nose on the line of scrimmage, USC fans better get ready. You haven't seen this very much now. Whether how this plays out in games, I don't know. Are they going to let him but do that? Right, like that's the thing. Like he's he's great in press coverage. Will they let him do it? That's the question, and that's. Uh, but you, you know, nobody's calling. I mean, you know what offense is kind of a you know the figured out going in. I don't even know that we know how they determine uh, what they're going to do on defense, but we know what the players are determined to do on defense and they're coming up and pressing and they're and I, I do think that that's the general theme of this team is to figure out you know can we do this can we be confident you know that we can do this and if they can do it night after night with Cody throwing the ball and uh, and the kind of you know athletic receivers he's got uh, I think you know you start with yeah I think they they probably can but uh to watch, uh, I'm on do that, and you know, and it, it it wasn't there the first time he tried it. Those guys are, you know, he hadn't defended people like that before, and uh, or when he defended Juju, Juju was probably the last time he defended Juju. Juju was like 16, uh, and uh, not running the stuff they're running and not catching the ball from a, a guy like Cody. So. It didn't start that smoothly, you know, for Iman. And that's what's even more impressive is where he is now compared to where he was a couple of weeks ago that first night he showed up. And that's where you would like some of the people watching the videos to suspend their critical facilities, for example, the first time you see that, where you see people responding by saying, Wow, he really, not what I thought, not, you know, gee, he got beat a couple of times, you know. No, this, you know, we're not playing any games in June. And, uh, you know, watch them and just pay attention to, you know, where these kids, you know, start and where they get to. And he's getting there in a hurry. And uh, uh, he's got, uh, it's going to be, because I think it's so crucial that he be able to really hold down, you know, a, essentially a starting cornerback spot. And if he can, it gives them a lot of flexibility in what else they can do on defense and on offense. And uh, uh, it's a really a crucial – there aren't many of the freshmen coming in that absolutely, absolutely have to be able to step on the field and play. But I think, you know, I'm on is, uh, is one that, uh, you know, makes a lot of things happen if he can do that. Yeah, he certainly does. It's been super impressive for me. And the other new face was uh, Dominic Davis. Got to see him. Um, lot, a lot of quickness there. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world. And I tweeted out a picture, Dan, of him standing next to Zach Banner. And then Zach Banner tweeted me. He said I was calling him fat. I'm like, no, I'm not calling you fat. You're 6'9". And he's like 5'7 or 5'8 or something. Uh, but a lot of quickness out there. What did you, you see from the first well, day of and, Dominic And I Davis? know he was listed at 5'10". And he's... I, I, he's bigger than I thought. When you see him in person, he's bigger. Than, you just can't look at anybody next to Zach. I think the only guy who doesn't look uh, just totally dominated by Zach is uh, is uh, Chad Wheeler. Is the only guy that you get a sense that he could almost look uh, Zach in the you know in the eye. But uh, uh, 
but I thought he looked to me a little more mature physically. Dominic did uh, a little more put together than I, you know. And you never know with kids, you know, with that kind of, you know, speed, uh, are they going to be the kind of really, you know, muscular, you know, kids that, you know, are are just pumping them out fast, or like Andre Degrasse, who. USC, you know, track kid is the best 100 and 200 meter, you know, guy in the country. He's more of a fluid runner, uh, you know, kind of a lean fluid guy. And, uh, Dominic is more of a, you know, uh, the muscular, powerful, uh, guy who, who certainly looks like he weighs more than the 175 pounds they listed him. But I thought he caught the ball. I thought he, you know, he did things like going in motion, caught spring passes, turned the ball upfield, got it in space, uh, they uh they had him go deep uh at times and uh he looked like he you know w- wouldn't mind running it inside or outside uh i liked uh, i like what i saw a lot i was uh he's he's just more athletic i mean not that we didn't know he was you know he had tremendous speed and and, and all of that he just looked like more of a finished product than maybe you expect to see from a freshman and you know their first summer outing and uh i thought i was pretty encouraged by what i saw uh well, let's get to some of the questions dan um the one of the topics i want to talk about we have a question from Tarek. he says with jordan simmons switch so he's talking about offensive lineman jordan simmons who we reported uh last week switched over to the defensive side of the ball playing defensive tackle um do you see him challenging for a starting job this year i don't know i mean he the one thing he's got, he's probably darn, you know, the good news and the bad news, he's 350 pounds or whatever. And, uh, and he's got his, his pad level is good. Uh, his feet are good. He's got a lot going for him there. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got two seniors and, uh, Antoine Woods and Cody Temple and both have been hurt and not that, you know, Jordan been hurt, you know, as well. I, I, I think he can challenge to get on the field and challenge to compete and challenge to, you know, be somebody who's in the rotation. I don't think there's any question about that. But, uh, but I think they're all kind of in the same boat. I mean, Antoine has gotten to start for a couple of years, but he's coming off that tech surgery and, you know, six months of, of semi inactivity. But, uh, but I think they're all going to challenge, which is a good thing. And adding one more guy in the mix, uh, I think it's a really good move for the future that you could possibly have a veteran senior athletic nose tackle in the mix when you open up, uh, you know, against Alabama in 2016. So, uh, so yeah, I think he's going to challenge this year and I think he can challenge to really, uh, have a good senior year next year if he can stay healthy. And I, I think, you know, he, if he stays healthy, I think it gives him a better chance to really work on his conditioning and his weight. And I think it's been hard as much as he's been injured to to really keep that weight down where he, he needs it to be. And I'm guessing, you know, if he got it down into the 330 area, he'd be, uh, you know, that would be where you'd probably be real happy with him. Um, kind of a Dennis from Lancaster had a question about the defensive line and maybe – Jordan Simmons plays into that. He wanted to know, do you believe SC has enough talent and depth on the defensive line uh, for it not to be a liability this year? And do you still, and uh, he says, and still have Woods and some good freshmen coming in. Do you think 
that they're cap- any of those guys are capable of having a breakout year. Love the new format and keep up the great work, guys. Um, I do think I think they have to go for it more. I don't think they can play it safe as much as they did last year. Even with Leonard Williams, they were kind of, you know, playing it safe. I think they have to turn guys loose a little bit more and just say, you know, we need playmakers up here and, and we you're you have our blessing to make plays. And um I think that's you know, if you look back and you know, the great USC teams have all had playmakers up there. I mean I think even Leonard didn't seem like he had the greatest chance to make as many plays as you would have thought Leonard could have made. And uh I'm hoping that, you know, we're seeing much more of a you know, an attacking mentality and an athletic mentality and not a you know, we're going to take things away from you. We're not going to let you do that. We're not going to hope you stop yourself. We're going to stop you. We're going to give you a bad play. We're going to make it third long. Uh, I think if they have that philosophy, I think they've got guys that could, I think they've got enough of them. I think they've got enough experience. I think they've got, you know, a couple of rotations already without counting, you know, any of the freshmen. I and mean, they've got more than a couple of rotations now with uh, Jordan Simmons there. So, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think they have to count on any of the freshmen, but if one of them, you know, figures out a way or one or two of them, you know, to get in there and we'll, you know, I think it's, uh, the opportunity will be there, but it doesn't have to be, but I do think they have to, they have to attack people and they have to be athletic and they can't be just trying to, you know, hold on and hope somebody stops themselves before the game's over. Uh, uh that's probably not, not the way USC has to play football, I, I don't think. No, I agree with you. It's hard to, I mean, that's, to me, when people ask, I'm like, hey, this team is talented enough to do all those things that you've talked about, but I think some of the stuff scheme-wise has to change. And we mentioned this before, Dan. Usually when Steve Sarkeesian mentions something specific, that you end up seeing that happen in practice, um, different examples of that. But he mentioned it specifically after the bowl game about, playing more aggressive on defense. And I think coupled, you know, him ha- having that realization along with more depth and more body, certainly, and a lot of these talented freshmen coming in at least can fill in spots. And if you didn't feel great about the two deep in one area, there's a couple of freshmen that could come in and, and help you out. At least one of them is going to be good enough to do that. I think combined with those things, it will be a more aggressive defense this year. Well, and I think it'll let them practice more aggressively. I think they'll be forced to. I mean, I think it was one of the secrets of, you know, Pete's practices. And, and you know, they really did have competition Tuesday or whatever. And uh, 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 that matters. And they're going to have a lot of guys that want to play and get on the field. So I think practice will be more competitive. And I think, you know, that's that's where it starts. And, uh and and I do think, you know, if they see him able to do it on the practice field, I mean, I think if you're one deep, you kind of, well, maybe we better take it, you know, easy in practice. And that just probably doesn't work at the at the level USC is trying to play. And with the numbers they're going to have this year, I mean, we're really constantly shocked when, you know, practice, uh, the summer workouts start and 12 big guys, start heading over to Howard Jones Field, you know, the defensive line crew. And we're just not used to seeing 12 big guys heading over as the defensive linemen. It's just not, you know, we've forgotten about that for about three years as to, 
you know, what that's like. And so that's a big change, and that's a kind of a mentality change that uh, I think works with both the players and the coaches. Uh, with the players, it's just the basic way they work at things. And with the coaches, I think it's kind of a basic way they think about things, where they're not trying to figure out how can we get through this and, uh, you know, how can we, you know, preserve the guys that are going to be on the field. And, I mean, it, it, it affected their offensive play calling because they probably in the second half did things in terms of running the ball and all that that they wouldn't have done uh, and that turned out to maybe be not as effective, but they wouldn't have done it had they not thought they needed to run the clock more. And so I, I think you'll see less running the clock and more saying, you know, we've got a defense that can really, you know, take things away from you, and we're not just going to try to hold on. Um, Earl of West LA had a couple questions, Dan. Uh, first one, he said, uh, Ryan, you mentioned last week that fan expectations are high, and this lifelong Trojan fan and, sick, and season ticket holder could not agree more. Uh, Coach O took us to a 10-win season in 2013, and with so many returning veterans, we expected to do better in 2014. Instead, we got worse, losing two games we should have won, almost letting two others get away from us, and being completely unprepared for Boston College and UCLA. This team on paper is still the best in the conference, so my expectation is to win the South, win the championship game, and go to the Rose Bowl. I don't know if Coach Sark can get it done, but the talent is there. What is your expectation? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with with anything Earl's saying. Um, I think that has to be... I think it has to be everybody's expectation. I mean, I think it has to be, uh, you know, Sark's expectation. Uh, you would hope it's, uh, you know, uh, if Max Nikias knows what, you know, exactly who's on the schedule, I hope it's his expectation. Um, I, I would think it's most everybody in the building. Uh, I would think the players are thinking those thoughts. And, you know, I mean, I think at least you have to be thinking uh, the Pac-12 South and get to the championship game, something USC hasn't ever gotten to do, should have gotten to do it in 2011, and the Pac-12 wouldn't let them. But uh, uh, I think that has to be, you know, at, at this point, that's what you're thinking, and you say, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to win the Pac-12 South. We're going to get to the championship game. That'll take care of itself, and if you win that, uh, see what happens. You know, I know Pete's theory was always we'll just aim to go to the, you know, win the Pac-12, go to the Rose Bowl. And if better things, uh, you know, happen, fine. If not, you make the best of that. And one year that they got aced out of the BCS and went to the Rose Bowl, they still won the national championship. So, uh, um, you know, I think that's, that would be my, my goal for this team is you win the Pac-12 South, you get to the championship game and then, uh, and then, then you go for it. All right. And then he had one other one. Um, he said, today I received a phone call from Trojan Mike linebacker Lamar Dawson. I thought that's interesting. He called to thank me for being a season ticket holder. Last year, outside linebacker Don Hill called me with the same thank you message. I must admit, this is a tremendous way to connect with the fan base. USC has only been doing this for two years, but I was wondering if any other schools do something similar. So I assume, Dan, it's a like a voicemail or something that they're leaving that they... Kind yeah, of. I know other schools do that. And I think it's a really good. I don't know how many other schools do it, but it, it's it's not you know the first time that I've you know heard schools doing it. I think it's a great idea, uh, and um, and I think it's it's pretty neat that that you get Lamar Dawson and his 
uh, our Kentucky accent gets to call you and leave you a message. And, uh, <laughs> that's that's a great idea. But I know that I knew that they they'd been doing that, and I think that's a really really good idea. And there are some schools that do that. I wish I could you know come off the top of my head and tell you which ones uh, do it, but but it's a really good idea. And it's a uh, I think you know the odds that there would be a guy like Lamar Dawson calling were pretty long uh, last year when it just seemed like he was in the doghouse and it wasn't going to be a contributor. And then just things kind of turned around and he was one of the surprises of spring football. And now you expect him to be a, a big part of this defense. And he's had, like you mentioned in the article, I think three pick sixes so far in the summer workouts. Yeah. He's a, he's a cagey veteran now. And uh, he's the kid that, you know, got thrown in there and Monty's defense and, he had to plug the, you know, was a middle linebacker and he had to get 30 yards deep at times and he had to plug the, you know, the A gap at times and, uh, was really a challenge, uh, you know, for him. And he's been asked to do a lot of things and he came in here with, obviously, if you're going to get number 55, you know, uh, I know Joe Barry recruited him, you know, just, uh, as hard as you could recruit anybody and really believed in, uh, in Lamar and his ability and get, you know, getting any kid away from, uh, SEC country, you know, if you're the player of the year in your state and all that, that's a big deal. And that was a real, you know, commitment, you know, for Lamar to come, you know, from, you know, small town in, uh, central Kentucky to, uh, uh, to, to LA. And you'd just love to see it work out for him this year. And, uh, hopefully maybe, you know, not being able to get back as quickly as he'd hoped last year will, you know, set him up for a big time, big time, you know, senior season where he can take advantage of all the, all the things he can do. But, uh, you can't help but really root for a kid like Lamar. And then the one last thing, Dan, uh, we had some confusion. People wrote in about blue shirts and, uh, someone wrote in that, uh, the player enrolls in school a year ahead of his recruiting class, but he's not eligible to play his first year. Um, was asking that, and that's that's definitely not the case. It's essentially with a blue shirt. Yes, you count. You're borrowing from the class ahead, so the players that are blue shirting can come in and play this year. The only issue is they cannot get a scholarship until the second day of fall camp. So they can't do all the summer stuff that we're seeing the other players do now. Second day of fall camp, they come in, they're given on a scholarship, and they can play right away for the in the year of 2015, even though they're. They're counting as a initial counter for the class of 2016. And as of now, three guys or potentially four looks like we'll be blue shirted and count towards the class of 2016. Uh, we haven't seen Taylor McNamara yet. We did see Deontay Burnett from Sarah High School and we haven't seen, uh, Clayton Johnston yet, uh, the offensive lineman from Orange County. So, uh, those three guys and then potentially, uh, another transfer could come in and use one of those spots as well. But, um, but there's always a lot of confusion. We have to talk about blue shirts a lot, Dan, and so people get kind of confused. They want to kind of explain it a little bit. Well, and, you know, USC, until they did it last year with uh, Matt Bormacher, USC never done it, and almost nobody out here had ever heard of it. And it turns out it had been fairly often used in, the, in places like the SEC, where if they ended up with a few extra scholarships, let's say, in the summer, uh, and probably in some of those places, they actually did let all the walk-ons come out on day one. <clears throat> and that was the idea that you decide on day one which one of them gets a scholarship. It wasn't exactly a tryout camp, but it was probably a tryout camp yeah. <laughs> uh, involved in those days. 
now everybody knows everything about everybody. And, for example, those blue shirts can unofficially come to the workouts. Uh, you know, they won't have USC practice gear. Uh, you know, they won't unless somebody has given it to them from, uh, you know, one of, the, one of their teammates or whatever. But technically they'll be, you know, in their own gear, and uh, they won't be going to the strength uh, conditioning sessions, and they won't be going to the team meetings. But they're they're definitely allowed to be out there, uh, and uh, like Deontay Burnett is, uh, and work out you know with the team. But they're kind of doing it on their own, and then uh, on day two, you know, they can get scholarship. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Lots to uh, a lot of topics we got to hit on UCLA and summer workouts and all the questions. So we look forward to seeing you out there at the next workout, and uh, we'll talk to you. You're again not soon. supposed to say UCLA and hit on. In the same sentence today, you probably have to put a little paragraph in between those uh, those two expressions. Well done, nice, Dad. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, and uh, you, everyone. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from our sponsor, Michael Moline Real Estate. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 